Mindfulness Mode 242. Make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. And really, that's the point, is to make a lot of money, because the more money that you make, the more people you can help. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. So good to have you here. Thanks for coming back and listening. And if you're a first-time listener, thank you to you as well. Last time, I talked with a dynamo woman. She's a successful businesswoman, a teacher, an author, and she deals with living with cerebral palsy. Check out Win Charles, mindfulnessmode.com slash 241. I think you'll be glad you did. Did you know I have a Mindfulness Mode Facebook group? It's just called Mindfulness Mode Group. I think you might enjoy it there. Drop in, see what's going on, check it out. I'd love to see you, so say hi, will you? Today, I'm with mega successful author Noah St. John. He's written for a number of huge publishers. We talked about zip lining on the show. We talked about a number of things. I really enjoyed talking with him. I think you will like the episode. So sit back, relax, and get ready for my chat with the amazing Noah St. John. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I am super excited today because I have Noah St. John with me. Hey, Noah, are you in mindfulness mode? Always in, Bruce. <laughs> That's great. Noah, it is a great honor to talk with you for sure. I can't believe that you've had so many successful books, 14 as a matter of fact. And I'm just going to read a little bio about you right now. Noah St. John is an author, like I said, of 14 books. He's a keynote speaker and he's a terrific money expert. In fact, he helps people make money who have given up on the idea long ago because of their head trash, probably, citing something from his book. Noah is the only author in history, now get this, the only author in history to have published with all of the following, and that's Hay House, HarperCollins, Mind Valley, Nightingale Conant, and Chicken Soup for the Soul. Wow, that's a lot of big-time publishers. Well, he's done so many things, and I could go on and on and on, but Noah, <laughs> what, what does mindfulness mean to you? Let's start there. Sure, absolutely. I love this topic, Bruce. This is, you know, that's why I was so excited to be on this program with you today for, you know, for all, all of your viewers and listeners, because really when I look back at my 20-year career, because I, I started my company, successclinic.com, in my college dorm room in 1997 with $800 and a book on how to do HTML. That's how I started this whole thing two decades ago. And really, the entire thing, what I've been teaching, you know, those 14 books that you mentioned and all the different publishers and so forth, and, you know, just the hundreds of thousands of people that we've been able to reach, really, the whole thing is about mindfulness. Now, we didn't call it that back then, you know, back in 1997. I don't know that that was such a huge term. Now, of course, it's everywhere, right? Everybody's yes, it is. talking about mindfulness, which is great. I'm Thank God it's about time we talk about mindfulness. But my point is that when I started my company, I really wanted to just bring a new awareness to the planet. It, it was about teaching people about 
two epiphanies that I had back in 1997, um, which really that's what the majority of my work has been about. As you mentioned, you know, I help people get rid of their head trash, specifically about money, because, of course, people have lots of head trash about money, which is something we can you know, talk about. But my point is that I, that's why I love this whole topic of mindfulness. So really what it means to me and what I've been sharing with my clients and, and readers, you know, for the last two decades is to me, mindfulness is about going from the subconscious to the conscious. Now, I'm sure we all know by now, especially if you're you know, fans of this program, that you know, the human mind is kind of like an iceberg. You've got the, the vast 95% is in the subconscious or the unconscious, whichever you choose to call it. I just call it the subconscious. And then the 5% is the conscious. That means what we are aware of, what we're consciously aware of. And science has shown this. And so um, I realized that for most people who are holding ourselves back, if we're holding ourselves back from the success we're capable of, it has to do primarily with those thoughts, beliefs, and headdress that is in the subconscious mind. And so it was. it's actually really interesting, Bruce, because one of my clients years ago said, you know, Noah, when I did your work, you know, I was reading your books and I was going through your programs, it was like you turned on a light in a room that had been dark my whole life. Wow. And what a description. I know. I, and I said, that, that is exactly what it is. That's exactly what I do. That's what my work does. And that's one of the reasons that we've been able to help people make well over $100 million just in the last few years, but not just money. I mean, I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners watching the program, but we also help uh, people in their relationships. We've helped people overcome addiction, quit smoking, find love, um, save their marriages. Uh, we've helped kids get better grades, you know, have more self-confidence. So when you think about it, I, I believe that mindfulness just affects literally everything that we do. Well, it really does. And you know what? I want you to tell us, take us back to that moment. You were in the shower and you had this revelation. You had this thought and it was like major. And the lucky thing was that you remembered it or you jotted it down. You made note of it. Tell us about that thought, about that moment. Absolutely. Just to take you back a little bit, because to get to that moment, there, of course, was a, a background to it. Just very briefly, uh, I grew up poor in a rich neighborhood. So I grew up in this little town called Kennebunkport, Maine, which happens to be one of the wealthiest communities in New England. But my family was dirt poor. And I mean that literally. We lived at the bottom of a dirt road in a drafty, unfinished house that my parents ended up losing to foreclosure. Mm -hmm. So from a very, very young age, I was very painfully aware of the difference between the haves and the have-nots. The haves mm -hmm. is everyone else in the community and, you know, living in these million, million dollar homes. And then there's my family, you know, with nothing. And I was like, what is the deal here? And, and I, so I was very frustrated by that. And I just grew up with this, this gap, this dichotomy, this confusion of why are some people so doing so well and so wealthy and, and they don't even seem to be working so hard. And my parents are working really, really hard that they're not getting ahead. And, you know, so I knew it wasn't about hard work. It wasn't about sacrifice. They were doing all those things. So where's where's the success? Where, what's the difference? And so I went on just this long crusade to find the answer to that question. What's the difference? What makes success? What makes non-success? What happens? And I read all the books. I, you know, I went to the library. I just studied all the classics. And I really, really tried to put into action what they were saying. And one of the things that every book says, if you've ever read a self-help book, you know that basically what they say is to use these affirmations, these positive statements, like mm -hmm. I'm happy, I'm rich, I'm successful, you know, I'm good right. enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. Yeah. You know, and so we've heard this a million times. So of course, 
millions of people have used affirmations. And hey, a lot of people have had a lot of success, but for millions of people, they haven't. And they've been very frustrated. Now, I was one of those people. I was one of the latter because I've used affirmations. I did everything they said. I wrote them down. I put them on my walls. At nothing. I didn't get anything. And I'm like, what is going on here? And so that fast forward to the shower, which was April 1997. I've been studying self-help for, you know, literally years and years since I was a kid. Right. And I'm going, what is missing? What are they not telling us? Because I was so frustrated. And so I started to think about what are we talking about? We're talking about beliefs. Because when you want to change your life, you got to change your beliefs. I think, I think we all agree with that. For sure. But then the question is, well, what's a belief? And I said, well, a belief is just a thought. Okay, so what is thought? And the more that I thought about that question, what is thought? I realized that human thought is the process of asking and searching for answers to questions. And so I said, well, wait a second. If the human mind is automatically searching for answers to questions, why are we going around making statements that we don't believe? Because this is one of the things I like to do at my live events or my seminars. I like to have everybody stand up and I say, okay, guys, ready? We're going to say this statement. Ready? And we're going to do a classic affirmation. I am rich. And everybody goes, I am rich. And you know what they have? You know what happens right after that? Everybody starts laughing. I go, what are you laughing at? They go, well, I'm not rich. And they, I, it's, but you just said you were. I go, and they say, yeah, but I don't believe it. Aha. So that's the problem. There's nothing wrong with the statement. The problem is we don't believe the statement. You see, right. and so the point is the gurus, the you know the experts have been telling us for decades. Well, if you don't believe your statement, just repeat it a thousand million billion <clears throat> kajillion times, and then you'll believe it someday, right? We've heard sure. that a million times too. Yes, so it's like, yeah. well, wait a second. What if instead of saying a statement that we don't believe, what if we just cut out the middleman and go right to the question? And I said, well, I don't know. What would that look like? This was a very long shower, by the way. Yeah, it and must I said, have been. <laughs> yeah. So I said, well, let's see. Let's take a classic statement affirmation, I am rich. And your brain says, yeah, right. That's really, that's why everybody laughs, right? Because your brain is literally saying, yeah, right. You're like, you know, in, a joke. In my, yeah, oh yeah. Right. In my book, I call it the yeah, right response because your brain literally says, yeah, right. Right. And so I said, well, if that's the statement that we don't believe, then what's the question? Why am I so rich? Why am I so rich? Now, when you ask that question, what immediately starts to happen in your brain? You start yes. to search for the answer, right? You do, yes, you do. And so I said, now, wait a second. If that, if, if, what are we really talking about? We're talking about the law of sowing and reaping. As you sow, so shall you reap. And of course, this has been taught for centuries. It's nothing new. But what are we sowing? We're sowing seeds of thought. But what are most people doing? Sowing lousy thought seeds. Why am I so stupid? Why am I so fat? Why can't I make more money? Why isn't my business growing? Why is there more month left at the end of the money, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. yep. And when you ask lousy questions, what do you get? Lousy answers. Lousy answers, right. And that makes a, a lousy life. So I said, what if instead of asking lousy questions that lead to lousy answers and create a lousy life, what if we just flip the whole thing on its head, start asking empowering questions that lead to phenomenal answers and create a wonderful life? And as I was standing there in the shower, April 1997, I said, holy cow, I think I just invented something. And so I had to give it a name, and the name that I gave it was Affirmations. Not Affirmations, but Affirmations. And I'm pointing to my Hay House book, as you mentioned Hay House. This is now the fourth edition of the book of Affirmations. I literally had to invent a new word to literally uh, describe this new technology of the mind. Because when you have a new word, or a new technology, isn't it true we often need a new word? Like We do. 
webinar, Google, Facebook. I mean, these are all new technologies, new platforms. We need a new word. Well, this is a new technology of the mind. And so, as you mentioned, I wrote it all down. And I said, I got to publish a book. This is 1997, remember. There was no Amazon, no Kindle, no print on it, nothing of that. I just had to go down to a local print shop. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any connections. I didn't know what I was doing, but I said, I've got to get this out there. I just had a desire to teach people all around the world. And then Jack Canfield found me. He literally discovered me. And he said, wow, no, this is incredible. He sent my self-published book. He just sent it to the chicken soup people. And then they loved it. And in 1999, my first book came out. It's called Permission to Succeed. And that's the first time that the word affirmations ever was, you know, given to the world and appeared in print. And now over, you know, 20 years later, we have literally hundreds of thousands of people. We, we're in 120 countries and we've helped people make millions of dollars, change their lives, overcome addiction. And that's what we now call the affirmations revolution. Right. And then when you went to get married and your wife was crazy about active sports and getting out there and exciting things, and she wanted to go zip lining, and you're thinking, get me out of here. There you were standing on the edge, your turn, and suddenly, oh my gosh, how am I going to deal with this? There's no way I want to jump onto that zip line. Tell us about how that metaphor worked to help us learn about how we can make money. Right. Absolutely. And as you just said, I mean, I'm a nerd. And so, you know, I, my idea of exciting is just to curl up with a good book. You know, she's an adventure junkie. She climbs trees, all this crazy stuff. So on our honeymoon, you know, we were in the Caribbean and in this rainforest doing a zip line. And as you said, I was standing there and, you know, one of the big guys who, who was our guy, you know, big, strong guy, he gets an, on the zip line and he goes, Bzzz, you know, and I mean, he's out into infinity. You can't even see where he ends up. And I'm going, Oh my gosh. And so I'm standing there at the edge of this platform and in my head, I hear, I am definitely going to die right now. <laughs> I, literally I, am. Definitely I can going. empathize with that. Exactly. I'm like, you know, I mean, come on, we're at the top of a mountain. And it's just, are you insane? And so I realized in that moment that I had three choices. The first choice was I could just say, forget it. I'm too scared and I'm going to go back. The problem was we're at the top of this mountain, this dirt road. The truck had gone that had brought us up there. It was like a two-mile walk through the you know, Caribbean rainforest. I might get eaten by crocodiles. I don't know what's out there. So there's no way I can go back. So that option really didn't exist. The second option was I could just stay right where I am and say, well, I'm not going forward. I'm just going to stay right here. And of course, I knew that wasn't an option either, because what are they going to do? Just leave me standing there at the top of a mountain? I mean, they couldn't, you know. So I realized that the only true option I had was to take that step of faith. Now, notice I didn't say a leap of faith, because one of the big things that, that I do is I like to bust a lot of myths that are out there that all the motivational speakers and gurus teach. One of the things that they say all the time is leap and the net will appear. The reason they say that is they want you to buy their stuff. That's what they're really doing. They're saying, buy my stuff, because it's um, it's really great. My point is, I've interviewed well over 100 millionaires, multimillionaires, even a few billionaires. Not one of them has ever left without a net. That's really stupid if you think about it, right? But it's a great thing to say when you want to get people to do something that they're scared to do. The point is, it's not leap and the net will appear. It's you take a step when there is a secure reason for you to take that step. I call it making sure that your risk is, is less than your reward, right? Risk-reward ratio. I mean, every successful person's heard of that. My point is that you've got to take calculated risks, 
right? And so, like, for example, in that moment, I saw there was a guy who went ahead of me who weighed more than I do, who was bigger and stronger than me. He didn't die. So probably I won't die. Even <laughs> though my head are. Is, I'm going to die. You see what I'm saying? So the point is, like, in our programs, we show you that we've had thousands of people go through it ahead of you. So you won't be the first one, just like I wasn't the first one on that zip line. You know, there's been thousands of people through this thing and they've got safety precautions, you know, and what I say to people is, look, I'm going to catch you. If you come, if you take that step of faith, not a leap of faith, just take a step. I'll catch you. I'm on the other side. And I've caught lots and lots of people. Just go to our website, read the stories from people. And what I love to say is that these are ordinary people who've gotten extraordinary results using this technology, using my methods. And what's so awesome is having 20 years of stories, having 20 years of experience and this ain't my first rodeo. So yeah, anyway, that's, yeah. that's, that's the story. Well, let's talk more about you. What are some of your biggest fears? What do you do about those even today? Sure. My biggest fear is not reaching the number of people that I want to reach before I'm dead. That's my biggest fear. Because this whole thing has been about how can I reach the people who need this message and who are going to take action on it, who are open to it, who are actively looking for help you know, looking for something. What's so funny and sad at the same time is that the people who come to me usually are people who spent lots and lots of money on all the, the marketing guys out there because they're really good marketers. And I'm a teacher, you know, I'm a teacher who has to do marketing. I'm not a marketer who teaches. I'm a teacher who markets. You see the difference? And so the marketing guys can't teach their way out of a paper bag, but they're really good marketers. The problem is people go to them, they've spent tens of thousands of dollars, and they're burned. And they're very skeptical now. And, and I, I understand that. And I've had that happen to me, too. I've gotten burned, too, by, by marketers. And so what I realize is that now the game is, okay, just to get my message in front of people who are looking for help, looking for mentoring, looking for personal guidance. And, you know, we're here. And that's my point is that when I have that fear, I just say, okay, I've got to take an action today to at least help one person. You know, just today I was on my Facebook page and somebody wrote to me who I didn't even know, you know, just a completely unsolicited testimonial. And he said, no, I, I read your book of affirmations you've changed my life and, and God bless you and God bless the work you're doing. And I mean, that, that's why I do this work. Mm -hmm. And is your work Christian based? Well, I mean, it, it has a spiritual base. So we, we don't delineate here uh, about, ver you know, what religion. So, you know, we help Buddhists, we help Hindu, we help Christians, um, we help atheists for that matter. Um, you know, so it, it doesn't really matter. We, I don't differentiate uh, between because who am I to say what somebody's spiritual belief should be? I don't believe that I have the right to do that or anybody has the right to do that, to dictate what somebody should believe. In fact, I say that just about success, too, because a lot of the gurus out there and the marketing guys will say, well, you know, if you're not making a million dollars then you're not successful. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, I mean, we all want to make money. We all want to provide for our families. But does that mean we all have to live in this certain house or drive a certain car or make a certain amount of money? My point is I'd rather be happy and making a good living rather than killing myself, you know, just to make yeah, for sure. million dollars. So what, what's your personal vision of success? Well, that's what it is. It, it's to provide for my family and have fun. So, so really our phrase that we use on our campus at successclinic.com is make a lot of money, 
help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. And really, that's the point is to make a lot of money, because the more money that you make, the more people you can help, you know, the bigger impact that you can have both, you know, in your personal life. And maybe if you want to support charitable causes or foundations or education or or whatever, I mean, just so make a lot of money means that you're going to be able to provide and also leave a legacy for your loved ones and for the world. Help people and then have a lot of fun. I mean, this isn't about I've I've worked with people who just, you know, work 16, 18 hours a day. And I'm like, dude, that that's not the life that I want. If if you want it, that's fine. I mean, if that's again, that's not I'm not going to dictate to somebody what it should be. But to me, I just rather do those three things, make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Sure. And if we can do less and have more fun, whoa, that's that's awesome. So in order to do less, you know, they say you just have to kind of allow things to happen, allow you to be who you are and so on. But some of us have a really hard time allowing. How do you do that? How do you accomplish that of just allowing things to be what they're meant to be? Yes, absolutely. And, and let me speak to that. I'm really glad you brought that up because there's another myth. You know how I say I like to bust the myths that are out there? Yes. One of the one of the most pervasive myths that's out there is do what you love and the money will follow. Right. That is such bullshit. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I hope I can say that, but that is total bull because it doesn't that doesn't make any sense when you really think about it. I'll give you a perfect example. I like to go to a bookstore and just, you know, browse the shelves. I just mm-hmm. look at books. I mean, I'm a I'm a book guy, I love books. You know, I've written 14 of them. Yeah. And so that's what I love to do. Who's going to pay me for doing that? Who's going to pay me for going to a bookstore and browsing in the bookstore? Nobody. Why? Because there's no value to anybody but me, myself, right? Mm-hmm. So that's right. doing what I love, where's the money? It's never going to happen. Do you see? So again, that's a thing that people say to get you to buy their stuff. So yes. I really hate that and that, because it's really misleading people. So my point is... Yes, do what you love. That's true. But then you've got to package it and promote it properly. You've got to package it up and you've got to do what I call productize your genius. All of you, everybody listening, has genius inside of you. But if it's inside of you and not out on the earth, then you can't make any money. Now, you can serve people by, you know, providing a service. But my argument is, wouldn't it be nice to be having money come in automatically? when you're not actually working. Like for example, you know, when you go to our website at noahstjohn.com, you see all the different products we have. I mean, I'm making money right now from products that I built, packaged up and sold, have been, you know, have created them two, three, four, even five years ago. (coughs) Excuse me, I built it one time and you sell it until the end of time. So that's what I call productize your genius. That's like, I had a chiropractor who came to me and she said, hey Noah, I want to, make more money. I want to build my practice. I want to have more patients. And I said to her, uh, her name is Dr. Stacy. She's up actually near you in Canada. And uh, she, I said to her, you realize that you just asked me to make your life more miserable. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, if you have more patients, you're going to be working hard. You're going to be making more money, but you're not going to see your family, right? You're going to be away from your family more. She said, gee, I never thought of that. I said, don't you have things in your head that you teach your patients? She said, sure. I said, do you help them with health, well-being? She said, of course. I said, don't you think if we packaged that up, put it online and sold it, then you could actually be making money while you're not actually adjusting patients? She said, wow, I never thought of that. Long story short, I showed her how to do all this. I walked her through the process. I coached her and mentored her for, you know, a a couple of years. 
And now she's making, she's got half a dozen products. She's doing her own live events, masterminds. And now she's taking her family on all expenses paid trip to the Grand Canyon. That was her big dream to take her family on a, she's got four kids. So, you know, it's a big family. It's taking yeah. them all to the Grand Canyon just from the money she's made from those products. So my point is all of us, all of you, everybody watching can do that once you learn how to productize your genius. Oh, that's, that's beautiful, beautiful story. Wow. Well, you know, a lot of us uh, have probably wanted to write a book, and we probably have listeners today who are thinking, yes, I've always wanted to write a book, but I just can't seem to pull it off. How have, what? well, basically, how have you done it? But what I was going to say is, what would you suggest? What is the mindfulness behind actually creating that book, doing it? I, I think there's two parts to it. The first part is the inner game. The inner game, which is what I call giving yourself permission to succeed. And that just happens to be the title of my first book that you know came out from Chicken Soup. But my point is that if you don't give yourself permission to succeed, you're waiting for someone else to give it to you. And what I always say to my clients is if I had waited for somebody to give me permission to write a book, we wouldn't be talking right now because, of course, I'd have no books. Right. Nobody's going to give you that permission. You have to take the permission. Now, there is a way to do that. That's what my teaching is all about. That's you know what I've been teaching people for 20 years. So it's not enough to just say, oh, give yourself permission to succeed. Well, how do I do that? Well, that's what my training is about. So that's the inner game component. And then there's the outer game component. So just like anything in life, you got the inner game and the outer game. So the outer game is, well, you know, that's all the actual doing of the work. I find that the inner game part is much harder than the outer game. Everybody focuses on the outer game, on the marketing, on the doingness of it. And again, I'm not saying that's wrong. You have to do it. But if you don't give yourself permission to succeed in the first place, you're never going to get to the second part. So I would just say, you know, first of all, give yourself permission to succeed. And, you know, of course, we have many, many programs to help you do that. And then, you know, once you're at that point, you say, okay, let's get organized. Let's pick the topic, pick the market. You know, honestly, I find that part to be really, really easy and very straightforward. That's why I've been able to write, you know, 14 books and all these different online programs. So I'm very good at that. And I'm also good at helping my clients do that, because once you start to access that part of you, again, I call it productizing your genius. Once you access that, you go, you start to see it everywhere. And, you know, like Dr. Stacy went from never even having the thought to, you know, half a dozen online products less than two years later. So I really believe that it's in all of us. Now, uh, Noah, do you meditate? Is that part of your life? Yes, oh, absolutely, definitely. Tell us about your meditation practice. What does it look like? Sure. Every morning and every night. Actually, I do meditate twice a day, and then, you know, when I wake up and then before going to bed. And my meditation is very, very simple. Um, and I know there's lots of different you know, methods, but mine, I just like to keep things simple. And I just sit very quietly, and I just I say thank you. Uh, I'm sure you've heard that uh, phrase or, or the quote, which has been attributed to Thich Nhat Hanh. And he said, if the only prayer you ever pray is thank you, it will be enough. I believe that. I really believe that. Because as I mentioned you know, earlier, I, I came from poverty and not enoughness. So my real mission on the earth is to rid the world of not enoughness, to rid the world of the idea of not enoughness, of the, of the paradigm of I'm not enough. And that's what I grew up with, you know. So I think that the antidote to not enoughness is to say thank you, is gratitude. And so for me, it's not natural. I grew up, you know, very, you know, in that that poverty, lack, fear, not enough. So I realized that the opposite of that, because I kept saying, well, okay, I, I hate that life. I can't live that way. What's the opposite? And I realized that the very simple answer is just gratitude. Gratitude for for what we have, what I have. 
And I mean, I, I share that story, Bruce, and you know, we're talking about that before we got on the air of you know how I was forty thousand dollars in debt working out of my parents' basement. Yes. And you know, the main way that I got out of that lousy, really awful situation was to thank God for the gifts of my life. And when I say that, and you're like, well, but I was I didn't have any money, I was in debt, and you know, I said, Well, okay, I've got fingers. I've got toes, my eyes work, my ears work, my brain works, I've got a phone, I've got a computer, you know, I've got everything. And so why don't you stop focusing on what you don't have and start being thankful for what you do have. And that really is what, what turned everything around. That's, that's great advice, what you're saying. Now, I want to ask you about bullying. You talked about that hard time you had growing up. Did you experience bullying, or do you as an adult? Have you a story about that where mindfulness would have made a difference? Well, I was definitely bullied as a child, mostly by my older brother. He, mm. he was definitely a bully. And I know he didn't mean to be, and he's, he's honestly, he's got some emotional problems we found out later. I just thought he was just a bully. Um, but you know, I definitely mindfulness would have helped me because what I realized is that I tried to become somebody that I'm not, and I became a, a people pleaser. So I just became this doormat that people would and did just walk all over. I mean, I let so many people take advantage of me. That's one of the reasons I end up, ended up in that $40,000 in debt working on my parents' basement, because I was still in that letting people walk all over me, letting people take advantage of me, trusting the wrong people, not listening to my inner self, my inner knowing, but listening to all the wrong people. And so, yeah, bullying has uh, had a very big effect on my life in, a, of course, a, a, a bad way, a negative way. Um, I think not just mindfulness would have helped, but certainly having tools and skills to stand up for myself. Right. And so what's actually funny is that I, my wife and I recently went back to Maine. That's where my family still lives. And, uh, you know, was with my family for uh, a little while. And I saw all of the, cause I haven't seen them for a while. And, you know, when you're apart from a situation, you, you see it differently or with better perspective. And I was like seeing all the things I'm like, man, that really, really pushed my buttons before. But because I practice mindfulness and use my affirmations and you know, all the methodologies now, I was aware of them and I didn't let them push me around. And I was, I was so proud of myself. I'm like, wow, that, that would have really put, you know, pushed my buttons or let them push me around. I didn't let them push me around. I'm like, hey, I guess I've grown. That's awesome. Wow. What a freeing <laughs> feeling. It was. It was really nice. Yeah, that's, that's terrific. I, as we move forward, I just want to ask you five quick answer questions here. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness in your life, Noah? Well, uh, I would say Louise Hay with her book, You Can Heal Your Life. And right. uh, I read that book many, many years ago when I was starting my spiritual studies. And that was what put in my head my dream to be a Hay House author. And so when the book of affirmations came out from Hay House, that was it was such a huge honor. So definitely want to give her props for that. Yeah, for sure. So how is breathing part of your mindfulness practice? Oh, breathing is huge. It's so important. And, um, you know, I often say that to my clients or, you know, when I'm on interviews is that just just the act, the simple act of breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth, you know, it, it, it just can't help but center you and bring you into that present moment. Right. So how has mindfulness affected your emotions, Noah? Well, I grew up very angry, depressed, mm. and I was suicidal when I was 25. And when I say I was suicidal, it wasn't that I was depressed and, you know, considering it, I decided to commit suicide. I, I, I remember that moment very clearly. When I was 25, I had decided to do it, and I went to do it. And then at the very, very last moment, a, a miracle happened. I can only call it a miracle that, that saved my life. I tell that 
story in the book of affirmations. Uh, but then right after that, you know, after my life was saved, what I consider, uh, I just decided after that, I said, I said to God, I said, I don't know why you chose me or why you spared me, but I'm going to devote the rest of my life to serving you and to serving humanity. And then it wasn't until five years later that I discovered affirmations and success anorexia and wrote all these books. So, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's definitely played a huge role. So you've written so many wonderful books, and we'll cite some of those books in our in our show notes. But what book would you recommend? You you mentioned Louise Hay's book. Maybe you have another one. I'll put that one in the show notes as well. Well, that that book, You Can Heal Your Life, but also science, The Science of Mind by Dr. Ernest Holmes mm-hmm. uh, was definitely uh, huge in affecting my thinking and realizing that, you know, God is all it is. And so wherever we are, um, you know, there's no spot that God is not. And so that enabled me to realize that, wait a minute, I, I, cause I grew up Catholic. I was raised Catholic, which to me was all about guilt and that I'm not enough. So I got, I'm not enough here and I'm not enough there. And I was like, wow, this is fun. And so that really, uh, those, those were two books that really, uh, changed my thinking. Wow. Wow. Do you recommend an app which helps you with your mindfulness? I don't personally use one because I just do it. You know, it's for me, it's kind of like breathing right now. I know there are a lot of great apps out there to help people with mindfulness. I can't I don't personally use one or can't recommend one. But I think if people need that or if it helps, um, I mean, I'm all for it. Well, for someone who was on the verge of suicide, wow, you just seem so happy, outgoing, upbeat. Do you consider yourself an extrovert? That's a great question. I, I'm, I'm definitely an introvert, um, but I'm an extroverted introvert, I guess, because, one, you know, as I mentioned, you know, my idea of fun is just curling up with a good book, but I also like to speak on stage in front of 5,000 people. So I'm, I love that. Like, the more people, the better. And, and you know, I'm going to be, I've got several speaking events coming up, going to be in front of 1,000 people in Boston and, you know, several hundred in Las Vegas. So, I mean, that's just fun. So I, I love that part of me because I get to share this teaching with, with people. And I, you know, my job, as I mentioned here on earth is to rid the world of not enoughness. So the more people I can touch, the better. Well, you're certainly touching millions of people. Can you tell us how we can connect more with you and learn more about what you do? Absolutely. Uh, so I'll just I'll give you two websites. Our main website is noahstjohn.com. My name Noah St. John. Dot com. And we also have, uh, you mentioned the head trash book. I'll just show you. This is the new book. It's called Get Rid of Your Head Trash About Money, How to Avoid the Three Big Money Mistakes Even Smart People Make. And you can just get that at sendmeabooknoah.com. Sendmeabooknoah.com. And I will send you a book. You can get that, the ebook or the paperback version shipped right to your door anywhere in the world. And uh, that's uh, sendmeabooknoah.com. And, uh, you know, we'd love to share that with you. That's a great URL. Send me a book, Noah. It's been really great talking with you, Noah. So all the best to you. Keep on doing what you do and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. I'd love to. Thanks, Bruce. Great to talk with you as well. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.